Oh, so wait, were you heavily involved um, in Live Team David? Yeah, so I was. I was a youth minister. I was a youth minister straight out of college for three years. Um, before uh, wait, what college? Not Franciscan. Then how do we uh, know you? Why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> Let's dance around this as long as we possibly can. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, it's oh, I'm, I'm the worst. I apologize. No, that's okay. <laughs> Herbie Hancock. That's a totally different movie. So, everyone, we have... uh, Shut up, Luke. Shut up, Luke. Uh, We have the person who's been talking for 20 minutes. I don't know how much of this beginning we're going to put in. You just want to start the show again? No, no, it's always better than we think it is. Except for that one time. Cool with leaving that mikvah stuff out. (laughs) Because weird. Yeah. Mikvah with David Garcia. <laughs> uh, shit, that's the name of it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it just might be. Yep. It just might be. I mean, I'm sad, though. The The best name that we ever had in an episode that I I got to chicken to actually title it that was Everett Fritz, the Masturbation Man. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that's right. He, 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 he wrote a book on <laughs> pornography, but he kept talking about masturbation. And then at one point, he's like, I'm going to be known as the Masturbation Man, aren't I? And I was like, that's it. We got our title. That's it. That's it. That's it. No more talking. We got our title. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing was, I found this little chime thing that comes standard on. Uh, <laughs> this was the best. Man just burped. On, uh, on Logic. And uh, so every time he would say the word masturbation throughout the whole show, I would have this lovely little chime play. And uh, I, this guy. Can, can I just say, I love the didgeridoo. <laughs> Thank you. Can, Thank can, you. We, can we talk about Matt Fred for just a minute and his amazing <laughs> voice? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just so that we get the, because uh, I want that in my life. Yeah. Sorry, you oh, were yeah. saying things and then I interrupted you. <laughs> Yeah, no, the uh, so these chimes would play. Well, a fan of ours was in Italy and he was writing the uh, the trains or whatever and whenever they make a, an announcement those chimes would come on and he's like someone said the m word <laughs> it was just like this knee-jerk reaction and that's what i love creating little moments of encounter <laughs> authentic authentic mm. moments mm. yeah authentic encounter intentionally i'm wondering when we're gonna get authentic and mm. intentional i'm still drinking um, likewise yeah. So what are you drinking right now, David? Uh, I am drinking a uh, 2013 Alexander Valley Vineyards Cabernet. Oh, Ooh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've got like, some uh, Cabernet that I can like name the year of. It's only four blah, blah, years blah. old. <laughs> I have tasted. I can actually smell the things that Luke's dying to smell every time he drinks wine, and, and he has to fake when no. he's around other okay. people. Oh. No, can, I, can I say this? I have I, – I drink – Wow, this is going to sound bad. I drink a lot of wine, and I cannot, nice. for the life of me, be like, oh, that's blackberry and cassis and tobacco. And I'm like, no, I like that, and that <laughs> tastes not as good. My wife you know can't. It do? drives me crazy. I get so mad. She's like, mm, hints of chasberry blooms. And I'm like, mm, it's chasberry blooms, whatever that is. <laughs> I mean, like, I watch some. I, I still got no Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Fresh cut rubber. What? No. <laughs> I'm like, I will lick rocks to get a, to develop this palette here. I will literally lick rocks if that's what that's it right. means. That's what the Psalms do. It's, Whoa, Luke, it tastes like a calico cat's left paw. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like Luke's sixth grade locker. Um, wow, he really <laughs> left those milk things in there for a while. That's weird. Ew. True, uh. true story. 
Uh, oh, like anyone's going to be surprised that I had a dirty locker in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised that at anything involving Luke Carey and hygiene or actually not hygiene. You were a clean fellow. Thank you. Never went that far. But you were you were messy as shit. <laughs> Sorry, as the kids say, I was messy AF. Yeah, you were mm. messy AF. Yes. Uh, Anyways, welcome to Catching Foxes, David. Thanks. What other things would you, would you like to hear about us? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just like the soothing sounds of Michael Gormley's voice. Mm. Aha, take that, Luke. Uh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> I've been working on it. Uh, David, have you ever met? Road coat. What? Nope. Yeah. Sorry, it happened. David, have you and Luke ever met? Have we have met? I think met? we, I feel like we have. I, I mean, okay, what years were you there? 2001 to 2006. Okay, so I was there at least a couple times. What household? AMG. Naturally. Yeah, because I mean. Gomer. Um, yeah, that's right, because Gomer, not because of Luke. Bam! <laughs> oh. Who are you rooting for? AMG. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Funny, because one of us put so our I mean, tent like, first. I, Whatever. I was there a couple of times. I remember one time I stayed with the brothers. One time I stayed with Kyle Ugh. Barand. Um, I don't think he I sounds like a nice guy. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Kyle's Wait, does he have red hair? No. Okay, never mind. He wears no khakis, idea. khakis and polos exclusively. Shout out to Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> is he wearing a white polo with uh, khaki pants? No. We don't let them on the show. Nope. Okay. Pretty sure only Luke wears that. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Stay away from the tiki torches. Telling you over and over again. <laughs> they were fun Ugh. in 1998. Um, no, I feel like because I was in Texas for a bit in 2008, I feel like maybe we – I feel like I've met you before. We're Facebook friends, so somehow yeah. it had to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean obviously through Katie – but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'd be surprised if we didn't run into each other at some youth ministry event at some point. I was pretty involved in the diocese of Galveston, Houston, and um, diocese of Austin from you know roughly five through eight. You know, mm-hmm. so if there was I'm a thing, sure. then I was probably there. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, for those who are listening, uh, David is awesome. He's great. Uh, listener of the show, ultra fan, listen to every episode. Uh, I am, I'm trying to, if you wouldn't interrupt me. Uh, he has a killer but beard. I, uh, gr- let me finish. <laughs> I like interrupting you. <laughs> great out of air. No, um, your dad is. So, David, really. really- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's okay. I'm the one who edits the show. Michael Gormley, ladies and gentlemen. He's so fine looking. No. Um, but anyway, we wanted to have you on the show. You reached out to us recently and, and uh, said you'd love to come on the show. And a lot of people do that. But we let you actually come on mm-hmm. the show. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Are you going to tell them yeah. why you let me come on the show? No. I figured they would guess. Yes. Okay. So uh, if you go back to one of our um, earlier episodes, we... Uh, it was very interesting how it happened. Me and Luke were just talking about a, uh, I had brought up that a friend of mine from my parish had died of a heart attack and left behind uh, a family of seven. And Luke offhandedly asked, how is Katie doing? Have you heard? And I had told him that, you know, Katie actually this last week reached out to me and said, hey, I would like to be on your show. Um, I'm leaving 
the hospital or the hospice and I'm going home. And I thought, oh, that's great. So I'll, I'll give it a day or two. I'll reach out to her. And then, because uh, I don't, our big fear is like, we don't want to exploit our friends. We don't want to exploit anyone's pain. But at the same time, we want people to hear like what is going on. And Katie was diagnosed with, what was the diagnosis exactly? So uh, in February of 15, it was stage three with some letters and numbers, um, appendiceal cancer, which is your appendix. The most useless organ betrayed her. And and then, um, so, so, and then by December, it was re-diagnosed as stage four. Uh, Yeah. And so the last, so Katie um, comes from Houston, uh, as do you, and I had met Katie at Franciscan. Mm -hmm. She was in a household that our household did a lot of stuff with, uh, Stella Maria. And Mm -hmm. great household, great bunch of women, Mm -hmm. um, especially our year. Yeah, I mean they're okay. They're a little shocked, but uh, we, a little, and that's a little flighty. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we don't have friends. Um, they got the looks, the, uh, but the brains. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally just oh, kidding. I'm totally just kidding. I just threw so many of our friends' wives under the bus. Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. kidding. I was totally In just true kidding. AMDG fashion. <laughs> In true empty fashion, it's all about us making a joke at everyone else's expense. I mean, that's that's not wrong. That's not wrong. No, you're right. no sorry. Um, and so I had met Katie, uh, and especially since um, Katie went, she went to St. Thomas More, right, mm-hmm. as a, yep. her church. And a lot of people from Houston that went to Franciscan also were from St. Thomas More, and I got connected with them. Any Hickman, Jonathan yep. Alexander, yep. but my main link was David Hust, mm-hmm. who was just a year ahead of now, me. Now... No, sorry. Deacon. Yeah, now now Deacon Dave. Yep. Transitional in, 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 Deacon Dave. I was going to say father, and yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, no, transitional Dave. He's actually the godfather, not Luke, of my yeah, last great. son, uh, Thomas. <laughs> or no, so long story short, we have been fr- we met Katie our, our, um, our freshman year of college. Right. Yeah, but what I was trying to say was <laughs> I've known her because of, like, carpooling up and all of this stuff from Houston, driving to Ohio. Um, and, and different things where it was like a Houston crew. So I get to have, get to know her a little bit better. And that's where I met you. Um, and my wife and Katie became fast friends Yes, at Franciscan. My wife was in charge of the dorm that Katie lived yes. in. And then the, when your wife was diagnosed with cancer, um, about a year later, we were all at the encounter conference. Yes. And my wife hadn't talked to yours in forever. And they sat down. My wife skipped my talk. No worries. <laughs> so did I. Not bitter. Yeah. Oh. I mean, in fairness, yeah, what, at, when we went to the conference, we're driving up and we're like, um, so, like, we've all heard Michael talk, right? We've all heard Gomer talk. And everyone else and any, and, like, we've, we've been there, done that. Like, you want to just play hooky at all the talks and talk our friends into not going? And she was like, yeah. she's like, yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's awesome. And that's the great thing about the Encounter Conference is – Half of it is like, let's hear these amazing speakers. And the other half is like, I've heard them all before. I've been going to Superville Youth Conferences since I was four. <laughs> let's instead hang out with all these amazing yeah. people that I never get to see. And I was a paid employee, so I had to give the talks. But my wife and your wife plopped down on the couch and yep. spent like two hours just being with each other. And I remember leaving that and Shannon just being, oh, just saying over and over again, oh, my gosh, that was so great. That was so great. That was so great. Mm-hmm. And That's I awesome. had reached out to Katie via text message and, um, you know, saying, like, just kind of putting the feelers out, like, would you want to come on the show? Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, without sounding like I never, ever, ever wanted to sound like, hey, you have pain. Let's exploit it. Right. And so right. I was trying to be trip, uh, very, very kid glovish. And and uh, and then we got the word that as me and Luke are recording the show, uh, she had died. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that blew my And so the very next week we recorded and kind of talked about it a little bit. But was it was the funeral, probably the most intense funeral i've ever been to um, it was but it was also the most blessed it was i mean the parking lot the the neighborhood there was not a single parking space it, in the neighborhood around it the was church. it was bonkers like the the people people talked about that funeral at the parish as like ha- no one at the parish no one that i know like in houston had ever seen that kind of response to anybody dying of any age right like that the yeah they announced the the funeral at every mass the sunday before they they put up flyers on every door of the church like hey i know that everyone wants to know so here's the time you know time and place for katie's funeral like it was yeah it was it was crazy what um oh i'm sorry i think i think that gomer was going somewhere with all this all quietly back away no, you're fine. <laughs> Luke. Ugh. I thought you were. No, <laughs> no I was just – my goal was, you know, the the reality for me and our listeners participated in it through, you know, like our experience of it, of, you know, like a friend our age yeah. passing yeah. is not a typical thing. We had talked about Matt Covey on one of the early episodes of our show who was a mutual friend closer to Luke. Um but him, his passing while we were at Franciscan or right after we had just left was huge for us. Like that was our first friend that died as adults. Like, and it was extraordinarily difficult to kind of process this, but then to, with the battle of cancer, you have this element of like, I can prepare myself for the inevitable, but at the same time, there's an element where you can never prepare yourself for, you know? So what was it? I don't know for you. The touchstone for our our listeners was our my experience of the funeral. I don't know what, what what is it like when you get that diagnosis, like when you first heard. Yeah, so I mean, it it, it kind of happened in stages for us, right? Like the there there was definitely the moment where it was like you're gonna die, um, but Ugh. nine months before that, it was like so the way it came about was like went in to see the surgeon because like, Hey, think I have like a hernia over here because like the last kid that came out was sunny side up and I pushed really hard and like, it just sunny side up. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, you know, just got to get this hernia thing taken care of cause it's been bugging me. And he was, and he was sort of like felt around he was like, yeah, that's probably what it is. Like I'll go in and check it out and we'll patch you right up. No big deal. You know, how's Tuesday sound? Okay, cool. Tuesday. Um, so we go in, and doc's like yeah it'll take like you know 15 20 minutes in and out you know i'll you know and i think that's what it was and like 45 minutes later or something he comes out and i'm like what's going on doc and i remember those words he said um you know mr garcia uh we did not find a hernia i found a um a tumor about the size of my fist i've removed it um i had to take away 
a section of the small intestine and have this and section of the large intestine and sew them back together. Um, and I was like, well, hang on, I'm sorry. You just said the T word. Um, like, does that mean cancer? Like, do you think it's cancerous? And he's like, that's my concern. Yes. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you know? And, and, and so like, I had to go and like, tell her dad, like, stop what you're doing. You need to come to the hospital and tell her mom, you know, like it, it was, that was really extremely hard, right? The first time. Um, yeah. not that it was easier the second time, but, and then, so like, you know, and I can walk through the whole story, but it's probably, you know, go read the blog. Um, so then like, you know, a, a week later or two weeks later, we get the like confirmation that like, Hey, there's no more cancer in your system. We think we should be able to do some chemo and you'll be fine. And it was like, Oh, whew, like amazing, incredible. This was super scary, but we're going to be through it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then like the second time in December, like she'd been getting sicker and like, you know, it was harder to walk and she'd been hanging out on the couch like most of the day. And it was like, okay, something's wrong here. And we started to like go through all the doctors again to see what was happening and like started obviously with the oncologist. And he was like, no, like this doesn't fit the bill. Cause you just got a scan and we didn't see anything and whatever. And turns out like the scan missed it. Um, you know, which isn't really anyone's fault. Like it's just, but the scan missed like yeah oh man or like the radiologist like it like oh okay looking back now we can see where it started but mm -hmm. but i mean here's the thing right like the only there are two solutions to her kinds of cancer one is cut it out the other is hit it with chemo and hope that it shrinks um they cut it out the first time and like okay cool um and then they hit it with a bunch of chemo the, basically the best they have um and then everything after that is sort of like, well, that didn't work, but, you know, or that one stopped working, so we'll try something else. But, like, the best they had never worked. So, yeah. as I look at it, nothing they could do ever would have really cured her. Like, it never would have. Right. So, like, the best we could have hoped for was cut it out the first time, give us another, you know, nine months of good life, and then, you know, sort of start the descent into, you know, stage four cancer. Um, mm -hmm. and that's essentially what happened, right? So we got, because they missed it in that scan, we got to go to Yosemite and like make memories that our kids will remember for the rest of their lives. Um, yeah. we got to, you know, go to encounter, we got to, you know, do things that we would not have done if they had said, Oh crap, cancer's back. Let's go straight back into chemo and like knock you on your ass every other week. You know, yeah. like, oh. like it, it just, our life would have been really different if that's mm -hmm. what they had found. That is a, that is fascinating. Yeah. Because I mean, right now my, my father is doing chemo and mm. the effects are starting to catch up with him. Yeah. What's he have? And so, uh, he has basal cells, skin cancer. So it's the best kind of cancer you can get. You're going to, yeah, right. Right. Everyone says that it's like, thank you for the consolation. <laughs> my father has cancer. Thank you. Um, I mean, is but, it like stage, uh, you know, yeah, like what? No, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, so my dad is a gormly man and like your experience journeying with your wife through her cancer is the exact opposite of mm. my dad's. It's like, like he had a nosebleed that wouldn't stop one day and then it kind of went away for a few hours and then it started up the next day and it wouldn't stop for 
three hours. Can you imagine having a nosebleed for like three, four hours? Oh, wow. And then I take him to the emergency room. He wasn't going to go, and I took him to the emergency room. Yeah. Sat there for hours. Turns out his blood pressure was sky high, all of this yeah. stuff. Test after test mm. after test, boom, comes back. He has skin cancer. Mm. And um, he's had these growths on his arm that are visible and disgusting. And we have been telling him for literally years he needs to get it checked out. Mm. But my dad, who's, you know, that quiet strength kind of guy, you can tell, like all Gormley men who are stubborn idiots when it comes to medical stuff, he just did not want to hear it's cancer. Now, meanwhile, Mm -hmm. his his brother, who is the closest in age to him, looks just like him from behind. I can't tell the difference. Uh, Same bald spot. Um, They... He has has he has the same skin cancer, and he gets he's been getting him the tumors removed since the nineties. Uh, and my dad should have gotten it removed in the early two thousands. Uh, so to say what stage is it? My dad's not telling me, but uh, it's it's skin cancer that can that's visible. I've seen those things for years, but you, they they think they can remove has it, it. So has it spread anywhere else? Do you know? Not that I mean, it's on other parts of his skin, but it yeah. hasn't gone not to his other organs. organs or yeah, right, right. Because that's the so I for so for me, it's the exact opposite. It's like so I went to a doctor today and uh, I got the cancer. And you're like, wait, what? I'll tell you about it tomorrow. And I'm like, wait, what? And it's so it is so infuriating dealing with my parents Ugh. with this because now my mom is filled with worry and my dad's like, ah, it's no big deal. Now I just uh, got a little cancer. You know what I mean? Hmm. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So that's Ugh. terrifying. It is, but Ugh. I think it is. It's interesting because I've heard people say like, I don't want to do the chemo or the you know the, mm-hmm. the radiation or the, the whatever because. Right. It'll so debilitate me. I can't enjoy the time I have with my family. But you got that by accident. Right? Yeah. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, like, I mean, it, essentially, right? So we did the chemo. We did, so surgery, two, three surgeries. Was it two? Right. Two, two, two surgeries in February of uh, 15, and then chemo starting in, like, April through um, September of, uh, of 15. And then we essentially, you know, and, and, and even um, even the time during chemo, like, we had a really good rhythm going down, like, like life was good. You know I mean? I, this is, this is like the biggest thing that I think I learned from that, right. Is that, um, in marriage, you know, when you say your vows in, you know, in good times and bad and sickness and in health, we assume good times and health go together and bad times and sickness go together. Bullshit. Hmm. Sickness was good times. Like really, we, we were closer, you know, than we've ever been. We have like, it, it was it was good times, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, so so mm. that was good time. And then after the scan, like for all intents and purposes, she was really pretty healthy by all appearances, right? And we went to Yosemite, we climbed all over the rocks, and we, you know, did incredible things. And I mean, it was it was a ton of fun. Took all the kids out there, um, and then like the last day or two that we were there it was like oh we're just gonna throw a pizza in the oven because it's cheap and there's nothing else to eat out there anyway mm-hmm. um and she's like no nah, like i don't feel like eating pizza i'm just you know i don't think i'm gonna eat dinner tonight i was like okay all right babe like i know we had a big day but like you should eat something she's like yeah i'll eat something in the morning I was like all right 
you know, like the next day was sort of similar. Those are words I've never said in my entire right? life as a morbidly obese man. <laughs> I've never been. You know what? I'm just. You know something's wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna yeah. wait till a couple days. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so, but I mean, like, it wasn't like, uh, that was the last time she ate anything. No, it was like, oh, well, that was weird. But the next day she was eating. So, like, mm-hmm. no big deal, right? It was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, you you work too hard or you whatever. Like, um, and then, like, it got worse. And then, you know, I think it was, like, the the weekend after Thanksgiving or maybe the weekend before Thanksgiving. I, I think it was after. Like, we went to go get a Christmas tree. Yeah, so it must have been after. What did we get a Christmas tree? She came back and like she sat on the couch. She's like, I just need a rest. And she kind of didn't get up like ever. Like, the, it, I mean, that's that's obviously extreme, right? Like she she got up and she walked around. But like from that moment on, her life was the vast majority of it was spent sitting, you know, sedentary somewhere because like she couldn't mm-hmm. like be mm-hmm. active, like cooking for the kids and stuff like that. And I remember like for like the, a few days after I had to call the office, I was like, yeah, something's going on with Kate. We're not sure what. And so like, I got help with the kids. Um, and they're like, okay, cool. Like, you know, hope it all clears up, clears up soon. And then that turned into like a couple weeks and then it was like, okay, we've seen all the doctors and things got weird. And we finally saw this one doctor who was a, um, neurologist and like, he almost, he almost didn't see her. Cause like she started describing symptoms and he was like, yep wrong doctor you need to go find somebody else and then like she said something and i forget what it was that he was like oh interesting you know then he starts like you know looking into it and he was like okay well i'm gonna order a, a mri and the mri came back and he was like yeah you need to go back to md anderson and have them do a cat scan um and they did that and obviously they said you know it's spread and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. so as a husband when the cancer comes back or or like like at the point in time when like she you know when you talk about how she starts uh, to lie down for all intents and purposes, like really kind of doesn't ever get back up to the way that things were before. Like, where's yeah. your head while all that's going on? Oh man. And if, and if like, there's anywhere that you, that you like don't want to go, that's totally fine. Like do, you don't no. have like, so yeah, thank like, you. I mean, thank you for saying that. Honestly, but, I mean, I think the reality is Katie and I kind of lived our lives in public for the last, you know, year and a half of her life year of her life Mm -hmm. um and so like that's just it was something that early on we kind of discerned like okay this is kind of something that god's calling us to do and i'm not sure why all these people are paying attention but they are so let's try to use it for his glory whatever that means Mm -hmm. um so yeah like i'm I'm, i i don't feel like you have to hold back like if there's if you think there's something valuable you know please ask the questions Um, so, so, so where was my head at as a husband? Right. Like, um, I mean, everywhere, right. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the, the love of your life is dying. I mean, there, there was, there was definitely a moment. I mean, there was when we found out that it was cancer and it had spread, we were at home sitting on the couch, um, and had done the seat, the CAT scan, like the day before, two days before something like that. And the oncologist called the one that we'd been working with. And he was like, so, uh, the results came back and looks like, uh, it is a, a cancerous growth and it's come back. And there's also a couple spots in your lungs and a couple spots in your liver. So mm. we'll probably go ahead and do some chemo and we'll get that started pretty quick. Um, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and come in early next week and we'll talk. And we're like, wait, wait, what? 
well, uh, wait a minute. What did you say? Mm-hmm. Um, because, because like, it, good lord, it, the way you say it, it sounds like uh, the way a, like a pilot would tell you at the altitude. He's like, the, the, yeah, we got him at growth order, and he just like, and if you tipped, and if you lean to the right, the plane will tip over, or something like that. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, at the end. that was basically it, right? And except, mm-hmm. except the pilot said, and we're barreling towards the ground at five hundred miles an hour. Y'all enjoy your drink service. Oh, man. <laughs> the flight attendants will be through to pick up the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, um, so did, did you start going back? Did she start going back into full treatment, like into chemo at that moment? Yeah, so so that was the plan, right? Um, yeah. The plan was to go into chemo, like, pretty much, you know, immediately, like, as soon as they could. Uh, because at that point, surgery was no longer an option, right? I said there's two things you could do. You could cut it out or you could chemo it um, mm-hmm. from your type of cancer. I don't know anything about other types of cancer. So anyway, um, so cutting it out wasn't an option just because of all the places that it had spread and like all sorts of other things. So they were like, listen, all we can really do right now is hit it with the best chemo we've got. And, you know, like obviously the first stuff didn't work, so we're not going to do that. So we're going to go to the backup and see how that works. And if that doesn't work, maybe there's another backup. Probably not. Um, and so the, the original plan was like, all right, we're going to get straight into chemo. And I, I forget the exact series of events, but um, but she didn't get to that first round of chemo until like – so this was like second week of December, and she didn't get to chemo until like late January or something like that or like mid, mm. mid to late January because like went into the hospital, came out of the hospital, went back into the hospital um, – came out and like you know it was it was just a while before they could get her stable enough to actually be able to do chemo so um, while you're in the in-between stage where's god in all of this hmm. more present than he's ever been hmm. how so um so so you guys i mean in you know talking i mean not luke or or Gomer, because you guys suck. Um, but like, <laughs> go on. <Yeah>. Fair. <laughs> um, but like, every- we know it. We just needed someone to confirm it. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> this is what I'm here for. Uh, no, I but- mean, we're not terrible. We're not the crunch or anything like that. But you know, sorry. <laughs> go on. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like the the people's the the way that people sort of rallied around Kate and me and the family throughout 2015 and 2016. Or, or wait, hang on. I've been saying 2015 the whole time. I'm talking February 2016. I got my years messed up. Um, so February 2016 was when she was originally diagnosed. But the way that people have just like rallied around us was, I mean, you talk, you hear people talk about like, oh, I've really f- like felt your prayers and felt everyone's mm-hmm. like, you know, good vibes or whatever. Um, like that, that's a thing. Like we had. And we knew that we had literally thousands of people literally around the world, right? Like, so we had the blog and you get all the like statistics and stuff and you would see like, you know, this was read in Australia like 50 times and this was read read in, you know, Madagascar and, you know, Mm -hmm. wherever. And you're just like, what, (laughs) what are you talking Mm -hmm. about? That's ridiculous. Um, You know, like South Africa and London and, you know, Spain, France, or like Italy, like what? No, <laughs> like that's, that's weird. Um, and so like we knew that people were praying for us, but more importantly, like we felt just like God's hand in the whole thing and not, I mean, obviously there were moments and 
a lot of moments where you're like, what the F are you doing, God? Because this sucks. Like, we're good people. Katie's an amazing mother. She's, like, trying to follow you every day of her life. And this is what you're doing? Really? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, in the exact same moment, at the exact same breath, you'd say, but, God, we can see you working. We can see you doing good things in our lives and in the lives of the people around us and sort of acting through this. Just like, but, hey, if you could act through this and then she survives it, that'd be really great. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I uh, I remember, and I think I talked about this, about this before on the podcast, so I apologize if anyone's like, you're repeating yourself. But um, when my dad died, it was so unexpected and out mm-hmm. of nowhere. But one of the craziest experiences of it was that I had never felt more like just like, how to put this? I don't think I'd ever dwelled in reality more. There yeah. was not a shadow of, and a weird, there was like, like, there was not one doubt in my mind as to who God was and what mm-hmm. God was doing yeah, at that. Absolutely. It was like, it was like, you're like in the matrix and you just see <laughs> everything for how it actually is. And you like see the yes. code and you're like, if I just go like this, there is no spoon, <laughs> like, you know, and, uh, and it's, and yeah. when you go through like intense, I mean, of course there are periods of just like, like what, why is it, you know, but like you also go through these, these profound experiences of just like intense grace. It's just like, I don't even know how to explain what that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yep. like uh, C.S. Lewis saying, um, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts to us in our sufferings. Mm-hmm. And there's an old uh, Jewish, Jewish uh, proverb, not a mikvah, but a proverb <laughs> that says, uh, uh, the man who hasn't suffered, what could he possibly know? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it, it's really true. Like suffering introduces you to like really know who people are. <sighs> and really know and who you we, are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we were talking about that tonight about Christian discipleship. And I said, mm, authentic, the, yeah, yeah. Authentic, intentional discipleship is, <laughs> uh, artisanal discipleship. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, no, but, uh, it's, it's reveal. It's, I said, it's like a wedding vow where you don't, pl- you don't talk about your current love, but you pledge your future love mm-hmm. in an uncertain time. Mm-hmm. And that's what Christianity is, or that's what discipleship to Christ is. It's not, Jesus, I'm going to follow you as long as you make everything all right. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus says, I'm not going to make everything all right, but I will be with you in the middle of it. You know? Yeah. And that yep. that notion of like really under in the middle of the suffering, people abandon God or they cling to God more. Mm-hmm. And the atheist would say, oh, you're using God like a crutch. But the reality is you encounter our crucified savior in a way that you never would have mm-hmm. in your pleasure and your comfort yep. in the good times. And the cross reveals the heart of God. Mm-hmm. It just does. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap. So, Gomer's theologizing brought a full stop. <laughs> I do instruction instead of yeah. discussion. Well, uh, uh, I am awake. I swear. Um, yeah. Uh, no, that was beautiful. Gomer. It was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know where to go from there. Well, let me just then focus on uh, the 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 final moments you had. My favorite thing that you did. Mm. My favorite thing is the the outside renovation, mm. the the garden. the chairs and the garden and all that. So, yeah. can you talk a little bit about that? Literally, I I shared that blog post like sixteen <laughs> times. And I I may or may not have have uh, bathed my Lord's feet in tears with that one. Uh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was 
really incredible and really something that was made possible by everyone's financial support. Um, so, uh, so Katie had always like, literally we, we moved into the house and, um, and she was like, Oh, I love these awesome big Oak trees in the front yard. I hate everything else. It's terrible. <laughs> I was like, um, okay. So landscaping, we're going to put that on the to-do list. She's like, yep. You know, eight years later, like nothing. Right. Because everything in life happens. And so, um, I mean, how, how deep do you want me to go on this? How much time do you want me to take? Because I can take some time. Um, the, two and a half minutes. Got it. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, so we, uh, reached out to a landscaper and he was like, no, don't have time to, you know, come out. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Like I tried. Um, and then my mom like calls him back and was like, Hey, you don't understand. Like I need you here. <laughs> um, and he called me back and he's like, I'll be there like at five o'clock today. And I was like, uh, okay, awesome. And so like in the last, literally like the last two weeks of her life, she was designing and executing an entire <laughs> like front yard, entire, actually every mm. inch of our property that isn't concrete was renovated. It was like oh, wow. torn up new grass, new sod, new, like they re-sculpted the backyard so that it wasn't all wavy and creepy and weird. And like they tore up everything in the front yard and put on this, in this gorgeous garden that was like, Katie always had this in her mind. And like, they finally like were able to, to do it. Um, so it was, it was really, it was really incredible. And, and the space is just something that like, it's just transformed our lives. It's transformed our, our home. And it's something that like, you know, we, it, we really enjoy it. The kids really enjoy it. And, um, and then we got some red chairs that have been really useful for drinking with people. Yeah. You live in like a cul-de-sac, right? I live in a cul-de-sac at the end of the cul-de-sac. And so, yeah. And so this is not just, this is like a big front yard, the kind of the wraparound. That's one. right. Yeah. So I'm on, yeah. yeah. Like if you go down the cul-de-sac, like I'm the last house on the right. And then our like really good friends are the last house on the left. And between us is no houses. Like there's no houses directly ahead. So like all that space in, in the middle, between our houses is like my property goes to the middle of that and his property comes to the middle of the other side or their property comes. And so like right in the yeah. center, we put these like six red chairs and there's a fire pit in the middle and like, we'll go out there, you know, at one or two nights a week and just hang out um, and definitely not drink alcohol. <laughs> drink a warm apple cider. Yes. Smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of, one of Katie's uh. favorite, like, uh, movie references. I, it was Adam Sandler, and I'm forgetting the movie right now, but he was like, you know you can hide your weed in there, right? <laughs> oh, that's just a bit from Saturday Night Live. You put your weed in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so now... Uh, so I, I guess... I, how do you go on? What is, what is the new normal for you mm. after... Now, for our audience, I don't know if you said this. I don't think you said this. Mm. You... We're high school sweethearts. Hmm. Uh, a handful of times, Katie, Katie, Katie broke up with you, right? Like a couple of times. There's a little, uh, yeah, a little, uh, yeah, that that happened a few times because Steubenville or something. What? Uh, yeah, accurate. Yeah, yeah, accurate. <laughs> Sorry, my wife dumped me once as well, so totally cool. I yeah. I broke up with Shannon six times before we. I was were gonna married. say like Mike, like Gomer, your years in my story are. Fairly parallel, I think. Like even similar <laughs> timelines, right? Like it was happening yep, at the same yep, time. Yep, yep. Yeah, <laughs> the last time that she came, she came back. My friends were like, "David, seriously, really?" I was like, "I can't get her off my mind. We're gonna get married." And they're like, oh, 
fuck, okay. <laughs> like, I'm literally going to break your knees if you don't marry this girl. <laughs> like, okay, all right, I'll take that bet. And so we got married. Yeah. The, di- the only difference is Shannon's the one that said that to me. Right, like, <laughs> roll reverse. I'm going right? to break your knees yeah. if you don't marry me. <laughs> That's yeah. how St. Louis rolls, Nelly. <laughs> I'm not the wife you want, I'm the wife you need. <laughs> How are we going to do this together? <laughs> Why can I only picture Shannon in, like, the Christopher Nolan Batman? <laughs> I'm, the Sh- I'm Shannon, Guardian of the Galaxy, bitch. <laughs> Swear to me. <laughs> vow, vow to me. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I mean, I love her, you know. Do you like want to see a magic trick? <laughs> <laughs> Well, now she's the Joker, but with Batman's voice. Like, where are you going? Listen, I go to Guardians, doing the Joker. Where does he get those wonderful toys? <laughs> nice. Wow, Jack Nicholson, Bat- uh, Joker. Um, okay, so so, so how do I go on? So, is that the question? Is that the last uh, <laughs> so how I do you go on? I believe, <laughs> yeah, I believe as she, Celine Dion said it best, "The heart, my heart will go on," which sounds kind of cold in the context of when that song is played, as Jack is slipping under the frigid waters that she clearly should have let him just hang out on the piece of wood. Plenty of room. <laughs> I never saw. Plenty the movie. of room. Titanic. Never actually saw it. What? I saw it four times in the movie theaters and cried all four times. <laughs> what? I was seven and emotional. <laughs> You would have been 17. <laughs> no, I wasn't 17. I was like 14. No, you were. I was. I was 15. Okay, so I was 16. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> David, welcome to Catching Foxes. Thank you. Um, thank where we make well, your you, opinion about us. Happy to be here. <laughs> uh, okay, transformed. Okay. <laughs> so, David, how are things? <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to transition now. Uh, We've lost it so all. So, I'm dating. Are you trying to go there? Is that? No. Oh. I, well, I mean, like. Okay, oh, I think so you totally should. Yeah. But well, look, before we get to the dating, the experience of the funeral, the your, your, um, your, your parents, your in-laws, um, the grandparents, like I was at the funeral and it was, it was, the love was palpable. The heartbreak was palpable. The. The healing of the of the funeral mass was palpable. Like, everyone was there. This is the crazy thing. This is why I love being Catholic. The funeral mass, everyone was there to worship God and give glory and honor to God for the life of Katie, for who she was, who she is, and who she'll be in Christ. Like, it was this thing where me and my wife are there and – you just feel like I, I, I told this to um, to Luke on that episode. I said when I went up and received communion, I felt like like on my shoulders all around me like the body of Christ, like the communion of saints. Like I felt like it was palpable at that moment. And then and you know you're uh, I'll never forget like the. I don't know what you call the cloth that goes over the. the I don't either. Sorry. Yeah, but but you and your son are smoothing it out. Yeah. And I'm and I'm I'm trying to process this as a dad, where you know, like, what do you say? What do you do? What how? What goes on next between you and your kids? And- I, I mean, so so I'll share this. Like, so Katie died at like ten. It was between ten and ten thirty at night. It was Wednesday night. 
Um, and kids are, you know, long asleep. Right. Um, and like the, the, the moment that she died was like, we've all been in youth ministry stuff, right? We've done the encounter. We've done the Steubenville. We've done the whatever. And it's like mountaintop experience. God's present in this place. And like the Eucharist is here and it's really Jesus. And like, he's in my life and he loves me and he wants to everything. Right. Like this the moment of her death was, I mean, the, the closest I can say is like, it was the transfiguration. It was, mm. it was like, wow. So, so there's this moment in, um, I'm going to go super obscure for, for probably a lot of your listeners. Um, C.S. Lewis's space trilogy, right. Um, in the third book of C.S. Lewis's space trilogy, it's like this group of, essentially the group of faithful is standing around and the, Oyarsa of uh, of Mars and the Oyarsa of uh, Venus, essentially the um, chief angels of those two planets, descend upon the house, right? And 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 so you know Mars, god of war, strength, power, um, except like angel version, not demon version. Um, and then like Venus, goddess of like love and femininity, love and beauty. And fem- yeah, yeah, all of that. These two like chief angels descend upon the home and there's like a palpable feeling where like, you know, the, the Mars descends, uh, Malachandra descends upon the house and like, um, the men are strong and the, you can like hear the animals roar and things like this. And then Paralandra Venus descends upon the house and you can hear the animals like, um, like making basically, you know, like the entire, the, the entire area becomes, you know, is affected by that. Right. So there's like this palpable feeling of like angels and, and the heavenly coming down upon the home. That's the best that I can describe what happened that night. Wow. It was, um, yeah, it, it, it was the, the mountaintop experience. Like it, and I, like, I, I, I feel like I, I feel weird saying that now, like even making an analogy to what happens at Superville. Right. Because I think there's a, there's a certain sense for those of us that have like done that a whole lot. We're like, Oh, that's not cheapened because it's the Eucharist. It's Jesus. You can't cheapen that. But there's a, there's a certain sense where you'd look at that and you'd say like, gosh, you know, don't go searching for that. Don't go like that shouldn't be your faith. Right. And that, right, and, right, right. and that's true. But, um, but to experience somebody who has lived a life of faith and who has lived, especially the last of their life, um, like just pouring every bit of themselves out for Jesus and for their family and for their children. Like literally the last of, you know, the last months of her life were nothing but like, I'm going to live everything I have for you people. Um, And so to like experience the moment where somebody like that goes to heaven, it was, um, it was incredible. So, so all that to say, the next morning, like, you know, she dies and then like, um, logistics take over, right? You call Ugh. the hospice and the hospice, like, you know, obviously before anything else, you know, I go and tell her dad and we cry a lot. And then, you know, other people show up and they come and, and like, we pray a chaplet over her and then it's like, okay, like, all right, we've, we've all cried. We've all, you know, processed the, at least the, the specific moment now, like logistics have to happen. 
so logistics happen and then like everyone's amazing you know i go to bed eventually um wake up early the next morning make some coffee and like as i'm like finishing my first cup or about to take my first sip or whatever the kids wake up because that's always what happens right you don't get a sip of coffee before the kids wake up um (laughs) but like i was prepared like i knew that that was like this was going to be a moment that like okay i'm like you know this is i need to go tell them that mom went to heaven um so I walk in the room. Uh, we have we have three bedrooms for the kids. John and Thomas are in a bedroom. That's uh, seven and four. Lily has a bedroom. She's six. Um, at the time, five. Uh, and Andrew has a bedroom. He's two, like two and change at the time. Um, I guess two and a half. So I walk into John and Thomas's room, and Lily's up, and like I either go to get her or she's already in their room or something. I walk in and I was like, Hey, you know, we've you know we talked about you know mommy was going to go to heaven. Well, that that happened last night, right? And, and Lily and Thomas are just kind of silent, just sort of like processing it. And John, John says, oh, we need to pray to our fathers and two Hail Marys. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, buddy. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. We, uh, let me go get your brother and, and we'll pray. <laughs> like it, 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 he, they didn't even like miss a beat. You know, it was just like, okay. You, you told us this was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen. We obviously saw mom decline over the last months and especially the last week or two. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like, okay, like the, this is our faith. Our faith says we need to pray for her. So like, that's what you taught us, right? Yep. So let's pray. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's just like, you know, get, get on with the work of, you know, of, of, of what we're supposed to be doing. Wow. I, I, you know, as a father, I constantly project, you know, like right into myself, into your situation of being like, I don't know what I would say, what I would do, how, like, do I wake him up now? Do I let him mm-hmm. sleep? Mm-hmm. Oh no, they should sleep. Let me have my time. And yeah. Or, you know, like you, I just, I feel like, you know, I'm just at a loss. And then the thing that I just keep coming back to is that our faith has an embrace of death that is with pain, but maybe not with fear, I guess maybe is a way that I could say it. Like Mm -hmm. it's not that it's not that we do this American thing where we all pretend like no one's going to die and everyone's going to live forever. It's exactly my, my heart is here. I've been preparing for this and I know I can never be fully prepared for this actually happening, but I'm not without resources. I'm not without a, um, without, I, I don't know how to put it, but we, like. We, our, our faith understands, right? So, so we have a good friend of ours, Trisha, yeah. who's a child life specialist, and she, which means she's a counselor for kids going through tough situations, right? Um, and so she's like coached us through all this. And she, the way that she explained it, which I thought was, was really helpful. She's like, the, the message that the kids need to get is death is not foreign to this family. Like we know what it is and we know how to handle it. Right. Like that's, you know, in the midst of the worst possible thing you can imagine in a person's life, your wife dying, your mom dying, the, the constancy, the constancy is that the, know, the rock that they, sure. that they hold on to is confidence, right? Like, yeah, this is a terrible thing, but we know what it is. We know how to handle it. That's a really good way to put that. That's a re- I, 
like that's exactly what I experienced when my dad died was this utter assurance of like, okay, because my dad was a disabled for my whole life, had chronic pain and had a really deep faith in uh, in uh, the Lord and had he just my dad carried a lot of crosses and there was just like this thing of like okay his journey's over with you know like i'm not gonna say you know i don't like i'm sure i you know i definitely prayed for his soul asked for other people but like there was this sense of like the next part of his journey has begun whether that's purgatory or it's the you know the beatific vision in heaven whatever like that confidence of just like like this is not the end you know and i know you know he, he can, i mean you know what I mean? Like, I know what's next. Yeah. At the very, like, some sort of after, you know, like, um, yeah, that's, it's, 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 it's kind of cool too. Cause so Aaron, my wife, her mom died of cancer when she was 23 mm. and she, it's funny when you talk about that mountaintop experience and like, kinda, I mean, almost saying that when like when Katie died, it was like the, tr- it was like the transfiguration. Aaron like had her conversion the night before her mom died. And pretty much was just because her mom was just such a witness to other faith and as well as her dad. But that experience, like her kind of, it was kind of like that, you know, in, in its own way. It's, um, it's pretty powerful stuff when you, when you confront have, that. Yeah. Um, sorry. Oh, no, no, how sorry. have your, how have your kids responded since, you know, since that time? Um, really good. Right. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, there's a lot to the question, right. Uh, or, or there's a mm-hmm. lot, there would be a lot to the answer, but on a whole, you would look at it and say, man, they're incredible. They're like my, I have incredible children. I have an incredible family. I have an awesome village. Like the, the, you know, you always hear the phrase like, oh, it takes a village to, you know, it takes a village to raise a, a family or something like that. Um, and then, I, and, and I think this kind of goes back to what you guys like the conversation has been on catching boxes for a while, which is like, like, yeah, we talk about like the community, the village, whatever, but like, where is it? Like, where's my village? Right. I have one. Like I, my village is palpable. I literally have a text message group named the village because these are the people who like, they are in my life literally every single day helping life happen. Right. That's awesome. It's not just like me struggling to get the kids out the door every day. Like, and it's not just me and my mom or me and my mom and Tina, which is Katie's mom. Like it's, it's a, it's a significant number of people who are, have like, we were close before and like, we were all good friends, but now it's like, no, we're like, there's family. And then there's us. Like we're, we are as close as, as people can be because partly like you just look around and, and it's like, okay, like there's these people that need help and they need us and we love them. And like, we're, they're just going to come help me like that. That is, that's just the, the reality of the situation, right? Like they look at my kids and say like, Hey, they need, you know, women in their life because just because Katie died doesn't mean that I suddenly magically have all the intuitive mom things that moms just naturally do. And so like, I need moms in my life that can like not mother my kids like specifically, but like, can be like, Hey David, have you noticed that Andrew does this thing and that you should probably like put some attention on that? Oh, you know what? Like, yeah, now that you mentioned it, I do notice that, but 
I really actually needed <laughs> you to mention it to me. So thank you. Yeah. Wait, is, mm. is he bleeding? He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. Exactly. Exactly. Now, how have, you know, one of the th- phrases that people throw around is the new normal. Um, right. So tragedy, death, suffering, pain. Now we just move into the new normal. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. But I was just wondering what what your thoughts like with the with the phrase like moving on and the new normal. Yeah. And things like that. so like I sent you this podcast. I don't know if you listen to it or not. Right. Um, and she talks about so it, it, it's called um, what was it? Uh, Terrible. Thanks for asking. And it's about like she and this other guy both lost their spouses on the same day. And now, you know, a couple of years later, they're both remarried. Um, and it, it, I, I love how she talked about like the phrase, like I'm, I'm over him or, or, you know, I've, I've moved on. It's like, well, okay, that's, that's kind of bullshit. Right. So like, there's mm. never like, there's still moments like it, it, I was telling her dad the other day we were talking and I was like, you know, we were, he, he and I have to be driving home from work at the same time and like cross each other, pass each other on the freeway or whatever. And I was like, it was right about that moment that I was thinking about all the things that are happening in my life, like all the incredible things that God's done this year and all that stuff. And I was like, man, I can't being on catching foxes <laughs> was absolutely the top of my list. I was just Thanks. cloud nine. Patreon.com slash CF. Good night, everyone. (laughs) End it there, David. End it there. Bring it home. Bring it home. Come on, Altuve. Hit him. Oh, I love Altuve. Literally. Literally. Um, But I I was telling him, like, I was thinking about all these amazing things in life and how I couldn't wait to tell Katie about them. Right? Like, oh, Katie's going to love when I tell her about – and, I mean, it was – you know, it's – everything that's happening in my life, like, oh, she's going to love this and this and this and this and this. And and then like, you know, and this all happens in a split second. And then, you know, at the end of that split second, you're like, oh, right. Like, I'm not going to, like, that's not going to, that's not going to happen. But, but here's the thing, right? I wasn't wrong in thinking that. I wasn't wrong in thinking, I can't wait to tell her about it. I was just wrong in thinking that it was going to happen in a week or two. Mm. It's going to happen it'll just be yeah. longer. Right. And, and so, but I mean, I think that's like the eyes of faith that we have to have and that, that, that carry somebody like me through one of the worst things that a person can go through um, is, is just like having that faith to say like, yeah, like I'll see you again. And our roads just like our paths just diverge. Like you, you, you got the, you know, in a sense you got the, the, go straight to the finish line and I got, I'm, I'm getting to take the scenic route. Um, so cool. I'll tell you about all, all about the scenic route when I get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, what, what advice, let me put it this way in terms of, uh, what would you say to someone who is staring down a diagnosis for their loved one or themselves, um, from your kind of, to let them benefit from you a little further along the scenic route. Cling to God. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I, I would never wish this on anyone. Um, but, it, it, I mean, Katie dying has been the worst and best thing that's ever happened to me. Right? Because it's terrible to be without her and I miss her, you know, every day. Um, 
and that's just life, right? Because like we, we were together for, for a long time. And so, but, but it's been the best thing because it's made me a better, it's made me the man that God, it's helped me get closer to becoming the man that God wants me to be in like, in a big way, right? Like, like playing Mario Kart, hitting that strip that like sits you on the, like the zoom path, that kind of thing. Like it, it, I am a, I am such a better man now. Um, and, and I, I want to, I want to go here before, and I know we're getting long on time. Um, it has made me a better man for, for the new woman in my life. Right. Like she has, I hope benefited and will continue to benefit from not just me um, having been married to Kate for almost 10 years, but from me going through the experience of Kate dying and having that be like the thing that gives you so much perspective, right? So um, I don't know about you guys with your wives. I can say that there were times when I was just a jerk to Katie and I didn't even realize I was being a jerk. Um, like I just thought like, Oh gosh, why, why is it so hard when you want me, you know, like I should have time with my guy friends and I need to go whatever, you know, and, or, or I mean, that's probably a bad example, but like just the attitude with which I approached our relationship, um, was just laden with all this, uh, artifacts from, 16 years of being in relationship and 16 years of like, Hey, we were growing up together. Like we were 18 when we started dating 17 and 18 when we started dating. So like we kind of beat up, beat each other up along the way and carry those mm-hmm. artifacts through to the end, right through, through to the end of our relationship. And now I get to like, look back and say, and, and, and say, you know what? I don't have to like start with those artifacts again. I don't have to, you know, when she, when I, you know, um, <laughs> when I play guitar or sing, I don't have to think about that one time when we were 18 and she made this stark snarky comment about my voice. Right. Like the, I, <laughs> <laughs> you get, you are matured, <laughs> you are matured and she gets the benefit. Right. Like Katie was there during the maturation process. Exactly. Yeah. And now you have matured but, or at least, but, but I mean, but not even, not even that, right? Like up until the the day that Katie died, I carried that with me. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. How, I mean, having being high school sweethearts, it's like you, your relationship baggage is literally just you two. <laughs> like, pretty much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, similar story for, for, for you, Gomer, like, I, I imagine at least that there's stuff that like I maybe I'm projecting, but I would guess that there's stuff that happened between you and Shannon in um in college at Franciscan that like to this day, like if you do X, she's like, Oh you know, or if she does Y, you're like, Oh, but like can't we just move past that? You know, and like maybe she meant it or maybe she didn't mean it that way. But like you receive it that way because of all the all the baggage, right? Um. Uh, yup, <laughs> yup. <laughs> Luke, is that why you always dated freshman girls? Oh. <laughs> they stay the same age. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Astros. Um, 
Uh, did you get any um, any like pushback from anyone when you started a to date again? Um, so nobody that I care about. Mm, okay, that makes uh. sense. Good, good. <laughs> because the the way that you the way that I found out was an announcement that you made on Facebook where you were essentially saying like, "All right, I want to come out and be public with this." Right. And you, it was – I don't even think you mentioned her name, uh, and you just were like, there is a person in my – I can't remember how you went. But you, you basically, like, you praise Katie, and then at the end you were like, and here's this thing going on. Yeah. And I remember the first thing that Shannon said to me was, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and Katie is probably very happy about this. Katie um, – Katie – absolutely had a hand in making it happen and has been playing practical jokes on us ever since. Hmm. Because it's Katie's mom. That makes my silicon look way better. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Luke. That's horrible. Luke. Oh my God, that's horrible. I, I don't even know. What I to wouldn't even say, say that. Um, well, I know it's getting edited out. <laughs> I love it when you cross I mean, lines. As long as we're editing want... stuff, no, I'm not gonna. Edit. Oh. oh man. Um, well, no, wow. it's. I, I think it's really like. Um, I've experienced this before in my life with people that I'm very, very close to and who I love and are like, and I've heard stories. And it's there's something when unless you've been in that opposition. It's one of those things where I just – like, I mean, I haven't heard anyone talk about your relationship just because I'm not in Texas. and But I'm saying, like, from other things that I've heard or just, you know, or whatever, or people that I've talked to who have been in that same spot, like, you don't really know what's going on in their hearts and in th- their lives. And, like, it's just, like, of co- like I don't know. Like, to me, because, like, I was, I was actually talking about this with Aaron Yes. Uh, th- the other day, because I, because I think a lot of your story kind of um, it it rhymes with hers, except the kids were just twenty years older, pretty much, mm. you know, fifteen years older, her so. And sure. I was like, you know, if I had four kids, and if I was like Aaron, and if like you died, I'd be going to a bar, going to every girl I met who wasn't that half bad, going, "Hey, do you want to be a mom with my kids?" Hey, <laughs> I would just be like, like, like two weeks right? later, just like immediately, because it's just like I don't like, what do you do? You know, especially if you've been in a relationship since, you know, you were 18, like, that's what you, like, you never lived alone, I would imagine, for the most part. I mean, right, there's, so there's, like, two sides of it, right? Like, on on one side, you've got the, like, um, uh, hey, this may be unhealthy, like, you should probably learn how to be yourself without, like, clinging on to somebody else kind of thing, Right. And then on the other side, yeah, the the fear of the rebound, right? Totally, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you've got like, well, God made you with a, vo- a vocation in mind, and that vocation was marriage, and the purpose for that vocation is to get you to heaven. And so, that probably means that you're not as good at getting there on your own. So maybe go find somebody that can help you get there, and that you can help get there. Like, do the marriage thing again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, really, I feel like God is saying, David, you got Katie to heaven. I got, like, another woman that I need you to get to heaven. You know, you're so good at this vocation thing. Wow. Yeah. Go on. Swing no. and a miss. <laughs> it's all, no, it's all about your holiness. Uh, that's, the Lord is just I mean, sending you people. 
yeah, I mean, I, I think what it, I think my, my perspective is, is like the flip side, right? Like, okay, you accompanied Katie on her way to heaven and helped her get there. Well, I'll own that. Um, but like, okay, now like I'm going to get someone to help you like the rest of the way. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and I mean, in reality, like for us to help one another, like, cause so, um, do any of y'all have Stella wives? Uh, nope. Shannon's not a Stella. No. So Stella does this thing um, where Shannon was acceptance with joy. Ah. Acceptance with joy. Awesome. Nerd alert. I, I don't know what that means. It's <laughs> um, so, a terrible household that collapsed before we were freshmen. Awesome. Go on. Uh, so Stella does this has this um, tradition where all the girls sit in a circle and they all have a rosary and they dismantle their rosary, the like fifth ro- decade of their rosary, and they pass that decade to the girl to their left and then reattach, you know, the girl to your right's rosary or whatever it is. Like, so your rosary has like four decades of one rosary. And then like the fifth decade is like somebody else's rosary. Right. So Katie has, and she, she's, I got her like this nice one that was made by, uh, blanking on the name of it pretty soon, but you can put it in the show notes or whatever. They're, they make incredible rosaries. Um, starts with a K anyway. Um, no idea. But it was, it's really nice. Um, but I carried this around for a long time. And, and so you're imagining this rosary that's like it's blue for decades and like yellow, you know, for, for the last one. And I started looking at it and realizing like this is my life. Like I, except in reverse, right? So like I, I was married to Katie for 10 years and I'll be married to somebody else for 40, 50, you know, God willing. Mm-hmm. Right. And like when you think about it that way or when I thought about it that way, it was like, wow, that's flipping beautiful, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Do you yeah. <laughs> really? No, that's, that's awesome. The do you feel like now you made the comment that, you know, not um, no one that I care about has make are you getting comments are people so so i mean people's response are they is, just saying like whoa bro slow down bro yeah i mean or so so i mean you kind of get you get all sorts of things right and i mean in fairness kenishi does too right and i mean it, even probably to a larger extent than i do just because like you're dating a guy who what and who has mm-hmm. how many what's <laughs> and mm-hmm. wait yeah. are you okay <laughs> um you know so so i mean you, you you get comments like that, right? Like it's, it's very similar to the, um, you have how many kids comment and Gomer, you may not get as yeah. many of those being in the Catholic, you know, like working in the industry that you do, but I work downtown with like the rest of the world. Right. And I couldn't tell you how many, and I mean, even today when people hear like, you have how many kids, you know, it's just like, that doesn't compute. What's wrong. What just happened here? That's not a thing. And, um, and like the responses they give to you have that many kids is like always super defensive, right? It's always, but it's always like yeah. very them focused. Like it's always like, oh well, I couldn't, you know. And like I didn't say anything. I mean, it's, it's very similar to like the priest you had on a couple of times ago, who was like, you know, people come up to like, oh well, I don't go to mass. You know, it's like well, I, yeah, we oh, were yeah. talking about yeah. the Astros or whatever. Um, right. You know, I mean, it's it's very much that. Like I just kind of mentioned that, and I didn't ask why you got a vasectomy. And I didn't need to know that you <laughs> <Right>. did. <laughs> yeah. So how do we move on from that? Right. So, I mean, it's, it's very much like that. It's like, it's like the, the responses, you know, people have either been very like me focused, I guess, like focused on the story that I'm telling them, which is, you know, Hey, I've, I've started dating someone and she's incredible. 
and like you know it's this is an amazing thing in my life and so some people are like super supportive of that and just very like in tune with what's happening and like well tell me about that how does it you know how does it feel? How do you process that? Tell me about her. You know, and some people are just really great like that. And other people are just like, whoa, okay. You know, and they just like, just sort of fade. Like you can just see, like, I can't say what's on my mind because his wife just died and that would be really rude, but I'm thinking mm -hmm. things and I don't want to say them. So I'm just going to kind of shrink back and we're not, you know, mm -hmm. right. Um, and so that happens, right. But you know, I think early on, she and I, like, just, um, we had, obviously, a lot of these conversations, like, hey, this is a thing that's going to happen, and that, like, if you're going to be, or if we're going to do this, like, we have to be okay with that, um, and, like, we have to be not just okay with it, but we need to be, like, confident in, like, this is something that God has led us to and is leading us to continue daily, um, and so, like, there's going to be people who are not going to understand, and that's, like, you just got to be okay with it. So, really, how long were you on a Catholic match for? An hour. An hour. <laughs> nice. No, I'm not joking. Wait, are you serious? You were, you were on, oh, no, I feel bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I mean, it's it's so outlandish that I, I wouldn't expect you to, to, to believe it. Like, I was literally – so the story is it was my birthday, which was eight weeks to the day after Katie died. And I'm like – we had talked about me remarrying Katie and I had, and like her family and I like Katie's parents and I, like everyone knew mm -hmm. that like, this was a thing that was going to happen. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go like, I'm going to put something on Catholic match. Cause like, we've all had friends who've just like languished on Catholic match for years. Right. And it like sucks. I'm like, well, maybe there's something out there. Like you won't know if you don't try. So I went on there and like literally within an hour I found her and I was like, Hmm, there's like 59 or, you know, whatever other women who've clicked on my page and I've looked and been like, mm, no, 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 definitely not. No, like not interested. Thanks, but no. And like women who were messaging me. So like within an hour I had like six or seven messages because like I put the whole story out there, right? I didn't want to like hide any of that. Um, and she wasn't one of them that went, that messaged me, but like she had clicked on my link and then like not messaged me. And I, mm. and I saw her profile and I was like, well, there's something here. Right. So like there's, my experience, at least of Catholic Mass, was that there's a lot of women out there who were like very clearly came from very broken relationships in the past and came from like a lot of pain and like just weren't, you know, the 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 profile read something like, um, "I'm looking for a man who's Catholic and won't cheat on me," and I'm like, mm -hmm. setting the bar really high there, you know. Yeah. It's like that, you, and I know nothing about you, um, and and uh, Teresa's was, you know, not that. Like it was. It, she was, she was obviously, you know, very full of life and like loved, you know, doing things. And, and I mean, it, it was without going into a bunch of details, it was like, there is stuff there that I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Like, oh, she went there. I was just there, you know, and like all this sort of stuff. So like mm -hmm. I sent her, I sent yeah. her this message and I was extremely witty and funny and, you know, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> on point. You were on point. That's um, awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and she responded and, uh, you know, she had been hoping that I would send her a message. Um, and it turns out that I did. So, I mean, it would, anyway, so it kind of, kind of went from there. Um, uh, but, dude, I mean, I'm, was, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say like the, the fact that I, I literally found her inside of an hour on Catholic batch is just like, that's one of those things that I look at. It's like, okay, like that's not a thing that happens. So that like absolutely was Katie and like there's been like a hundred other things along the way that Katie was just like hey here I'm just like letting you know that this was me
that's awesome. I love that. That's great. How are do you're really close? Like you live close to her parents, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they're over at the house like daily. Okay, how is that? Is that going strong? You feeling? Yeah, they're like that's your village. Yeah, right? they're my Dude, village. Like well. absolutely, they are. So they awesome. are a cornerstone of the village, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I love, like, I love my in-laws, but they live in St. Louis, Mm, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the hard parts about going to Franciscan. You meet the one you you marry, and they're on the opposite side, you know, the country or whatever it is. And uh, it's so awesome that through every phase you've had a family, Mm -hmm. you've had families. Yeah. And now you've all become, you know, the family. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. Any uh any pro tips to give the oh. the moms or dads out there who uh, are looking at you know you asked in the beginning who's my audience and uh, you know I, I've been kind of thinking about it and I was like let's just say the audience is the three people out there who are going through something similar or whether it's a whatever the life circumstance is how I, I, really to me my my heart goes out to the parent of kids and you're trying to wrestle with um the the next step in your family and i know our our friend um from franciscan eric harkins his wife died very suddenly um she was allergic to yellow jackets got stung by a bunch of them oh my gosh and died yeah and died he is a secret service officer she was taking her they just did morning prayers she took her kids out for a walk um, before school and got stung by a, a bunch of yellow jackets and died fairly shortly thereafter. Um, and all of us, like our, our, our household brother, Joey is in the secret service with Eric. And like, we all knew all this stuff. He was on Obama's detail oh and, uh, we all watched the news footage as Obama mentioned Eric and his wife and family and all this stuff for them. It was sudden. It was, there was no preparation. There yeah. was the, the 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 terror that grips someone when your little kid, your you know whatever I think he was like six comes home and is like daddy mommy's not moving or whatever it is and so it just cascades and I he would post these stories of his kids like oh couldn't find uh, my daughter and she was in the you know for breakfast and I wasn't thinking because I'm doing all this myself until right when we're about to walk out the door and she's sitting there in the back room by herself staring at a picture of mama you know yeah. and. As a dad, you go through all the, you know, how do I help? How do I, what do I do yeah. and say? And I don't know. I mean, I I, I think I, my experience has at least been like the times that I get freaked out and like hmm, uh, freaked out, insecure, neurotic, uh, emotional um, are are when I try to do everything myself or when I try to, um, hold myself to perfection, right? Like you have to mm. like, mom's gone. So you have to be perfect. You have to be everything always forever. Right. Um, and I, I think like there's a, there's a point where you have to realize like, no, that's not, that's not humanly possible, right? You can't, you can't be everything to them. You can't be like you, so a you need help and find a village right um and let people be your village is i think is i think the biggest thing because in a situation like this people want to be your village 
you just have to let them and have to figure out how that works. Like, it doesn't mean you're not their dad because I, I, I am very involved in my kids' lives, but it does mean that, you know what? If I'm going to get the hours in at work that I have to do, then someone else is going to take them to school every day. And that's okay because I'm going to be there for dinner and I'm going to be there to tuck them in and I'm going to read them stories and we're going to have time. You know, like, so figure out whatever it is that like, that, you know, find the village that's going to help like make life work in whatever way that that, that that means. And then like in the moments where, you know, three kids are crying and one of them's covered in crap and like, you know, those moments in, in every family's life where just like the entire house feels like it's, you know, imploding on you. Um, except, you know, the person that you used to like trudge through hell with is gone. Um, in those moments, like take a second for yourself. And I don't mean like go take a shot of bourbon or do I? Uh, <laughs> um, so, but, but find a way to like, you know, maybe it's in the midst of it. You just like take a breath and realize that, okay, like all I can do it is like the next right thing, right? I can't do everything right now. I can do the next right thing. And the next right thing might be just holding my daughter while she cries because, you know, she stubbed her toe, but really she misses her mom, but really she kind of stubbed her toe. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so I'm just going to hold her, you know, while, you know, number one cries in the other room and number two hits number three or something like that. Right. Like that, <laughs> like, I've just got to let that stuff happen because all I can do is the next right thing. And right now the right thing is for me to just keep holding you. Um, and then as soon as like that fire is, you know, maybe not put out, but at least like under control, then go figure out the, the next right thing. And maybe the next right thing is, you know, keeping two from hitting three, um, or, you know, comforting one or something like, like whatever it is, just figure out the next right thing. And then just like, you know, and eventually, you know, you'll have a moment to breathe and you'll go to sleep and then you'll wake up the next day and do it again and just keep doing the next right thing. The next right thing. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, David, it is getting pretty late. Um, it is. I want to, especially for Luke, he's an hour ahead of us. Future? Yeah. You're in the future? He's, I'm, <laughs> hello from no, November 10th. Flying cars are here. <laughs> Elon Musk did what? <laughs> so, uh, David, thank you very much. Yeah, man, um, I really appreciate it. Have, we appreciate it. Yeah. I'm sorry it was like two hours, so good luck with no, it's good. editing. <laughs> well, it's not like I got anything to do tonight since I only have a four-hour turnaround before I got to publish this. No, it's no problem. Oh, I, I'm going to be great on my flight tomorrow. Anywho, um, I sleep on airplanes. It's kind of my thing. Um, if uh, if people wanted to follow your blog and your story, where can they go? So so they can read the entirety of the blog at klgar.blogspot.com. Um, it is completed. Um, they're, they're, I'm, I'm not doing the blog anymore. Um I've considered doing it some more, but not on that blog. So anyway, so that blog is complete. Go to klgar.blogspot.com. Uh, if you want to friend me on Facebook and follow my life, uh, you can do that. I'm David Garcia. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll friend you. I don't post a whole lot of stuff just because um, I've realized that, you know, 
the time for me to be super public about life is uh, is kind of at least it's on hiatus. Um, mm, yeah. And mm-hmm. so right now is a time for me to like be with my family and be with um, Teresa and for us to like figure out what life means together. Right. So, yeah. Cool. Good deal. Thank you. And the blog is awesome. Like it really is. It's well-written. Mm-hmm. It's uh, there's so much joy, even in the middle of, of, of the sad parts. And uh, I think you've, one of the beautiful things about you and Katie is that you always there was always a joy in the middle of it, and you were very open and honest about the suffering. Like, hey, guess what? This really sucks right now. And then you would say some funny thing that Katie did or some stubborn thing that she did, and it was just perfect. And the, to me, the the lawn renovation stuff was the part. Like, here she is barking orders at everyone the whole time, and it's like, you know, honey, you can just kind of like sit down. No, this has to be perfect. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so thank you very much for coming on and and, and being fun. and being open and honest. Yeah, yeah, you're a good dude. Agree. Good, good, good talking to you guys. We'll have to. Um, you, you guys got to come over and have some bourbon sometime or something. Can I just have regular beer? No, I will no, come and drink just... bourbon with you. I will fly from Cincinnati. I'll steal some bourbon from Kentucky. Put it in a bag. Security won't notice. They don't check. They don't see like seventy percent of the stuff <laughs> on there, anyways. <laughs> and we will get so hosed. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Hi, NSA. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me. My name isn't Luke. Bleep. Yeah. yeah. We'll just sit there drinking bourbon, listening to Sia. Oh, man. I love Sia. Is that a, I thought it was Sia. 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 I don't know how that works. Uh, who, tomato, yeah, I'm not, tomato. Listen, All I know is, what does her face look like? I don't know. I don't like her don't that know. much to like learn her name. I just like the song. Um <laughs> Hey, Cheap Thrills. Luke, are you a Cheap Thrills fan? No, uh, I love Cheap Thrills. No. Uh, thank you to everyone for downloading the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Feel free to give us a review and a rating if you want to support us in a way that really helps us keep the show going. Patreon.com slash CF. If you donate $10 or more, you get a free podcast just for you on Mondays. Patreon.com slash CF. $10 or more for a free podcast on Monday for free $10 or more for a free thing hey, except for the $10 hell, that you're oh, paying I'm, I'm sorry who's staying up really fucking late right now <laughs> I'm just kidding you have to edit <laughs> oh oh I'm sorry David have you ever thought about being a co-host on a, on an award-winning podcast with over a million dial- downloads there might be so an opening funny. soon <laughs> <laughs> Fisher's Net Award doesn't count. There's no monetary. Oh, no. I was so excited. Award. Like, maybe we'll get a little, like, last thing. I can hold it up. And they're like, no, here's a thing for your website. And I was like, oh. Well, that's not going okay. anywhere. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Fisher's Net. I appreciate my 500 friends that voted for this. Uh, it's prestigious. Ugh. Listen, we craved that award. We wanted it so we badly, and we got it. So, and then this year, this year, people are like, "Wow, you're you're somewhere in the middle catching foxes," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. there's no money." And we're, <laughs> I literally told somebody, we're, yeah, no we're like losing to like some other like podcasts. I'm like, "Who are you?" Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're better than us. Whatever. Oh, we man, all just we sit at the feet of Catholic stuff. You should know. Let's be real honest here. I do. I do want to say something funny has happened. I mentioned how I feel like some people donated ten dollars, and then right before the first of the month, when the actually debits their account, they switch to like back to two dollars or five dollars. And 
I, I mentioned that on the previous show. A whole bunch of people, after it debited their account, a whole bunch of new people just signed on to donate $10. And I'm like, am I going to see you here in a month? Because I feel like you're going to listen to the four or five free uh, or bonus episodes. And then just all of a sudden it drops down to like a dollar a month. And then it go back up and then go back. Mm. Game in the system. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. David, if you don't mind, there's there's more stuff me and Gomer would like to talk about. Uh, we're going to do the Thor... Ragnarok review from Monday's uh, podcast, right? No, uh, can we do it on Sunday, Luke? I am so tired. yeah. No, no, no. I know. Yeah. I, I just mean oh, we're, we're going to do that. Yeah. Thank yeah. You, no, I'm just. I was Did just you saying. See Thor, no, David? I haven't seen it, and I. <sighs> I haven't had a chance, and I don't have time for that anymore. But I'm working my way back <laughs> through all the Marvel movies because Teresa hasn't seen any of them. <laughs> yes. So Thor Ragnarok I, is like months away for me, and I'm in pain about it okay. because I hear such good things. But you guys well, do that. Well, I'll tell I'll tell you this. I went to the movie theater in Conroe, in the middle of Conroe, <laughs> uh, on Monday night. I think it was Monday night. Not a soul in the theater oh. except for me. It was it was the last showing. Standard death. No, none of that 3D crap. And I was there, and I was like, huh, it's all. It's just me. Well, I guess I'll be texting during this movie. <laughs> so I texted Luke for like the first hour. It was the best movie experience of my and life. And then I went to bed, and I was like, I'll respond in the morning. 